Act 3 of All for Love, or the World Well Lost. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. All for Love, or the World Well Lost by John Dryden. Act 3. At one door enter Cleopatra, Carmion, Iris, and Alexis, a train of Egyptians. At the other, Antony and Romans. The entrance on both sides is prepared by music, the trumpets first sounding on Antony's part, then answered by timbrels, etc., on Cleopatra's. Carmion and Iris hold a laurel wreath betwixt them, a dance of Egyptians. After the ceremony, Cleopatra crowns Antony. I thought how those white arms would fold me in, and strain me close, and melt me into love. So pleased with that sweet image, I sprung forwards, and added all my strength to every blow. Come to me, come my soldier to my arms. You've been away too long from my embraces. But when I have you fast and all my own, with broken murmurs and with amorous sighs, I'll say you were unkind, and punish you, and mark you red with many an eager kiss. My brighter Venus. Oh, my greater Mars. Thou joinst us well, my love. Suppose me come from the Phlegrian plains, where gasping giants lay, cleft by my sword, and mountain tops paired off each other blow to bury those I slew. Receive me, goddess. Let Caesar spread his subtle nets. Like Vulcan in thy embraces, I would be beheld by heaven and earth at once and make their envy what they meant their sport let those who took us blush i would love on with awful state regardless of their frowns as their superior gods there's no satiety of love in thee enjoyed thou still art new perpetual spring is in thy arms the ripened fruit but falls and blossoms rise to fill its empty place and i grow rich by giving Enter Ventidius and stands apart. Oh, now the danger's past, your general comes. He joins not in your joys, nor minds your triumphs, but with contracted brows looks frowning on, as envying your success. Now on my soul he loves me, truly loves me. He never flattered me in any vice, but awes me with his virtue. Even this minute, methinks, he has a right of chiding me. Lead to the temple. I'll avoid his presence. It checks too strong upon me. Exhaunt the rest. As Antony is going, Ventidius pulls him by the robe. Emperor. Antony, looking back. Tis the old argument. I prithee spare me. But this one hearing, Emperor. Let go my robe, or by my father Hercules. By Hercules' father, that's yet greater, I bring you somewhat you would wish to know. Thou seest we are observed. Attend me here, and I return. Exit. I am waning in his favour. Yet I love him. I love this man who runs to meet his ruin. And sure the gods like me are fond of him. His virtues lie so mingled with his crimes as would confound their choice to punish one and not reward the other. Re-enter Antony. We can conquer, you see, without your aid. We have dislodged their troops. They look on us at distance, 
and like curves escaped from the lion's paws, they bay far off and lick their wounds, and faintly threaten war. Five thousand Romans, with their faces upward, lie breathless on the plain. Tis well, and he who lost them could have spared ten thousand more. Yet if by this advantage you could gain an easier peace, while Caesar doubts the chance of arms. Oh, think not aunt Ventidius. The boy pursues my ruin. He'll know peace. His malice is considerable in advantage. Oh, he's the coolest murderer, so staunch he kills and keeps his temper. Have you no friend in all his army who has power to move him? Meganus or Agrippa might do much. They're both too deep in Caesar's interests. We'll work it out by dint of sword or perish. Fain I would find some other. Thank thy love. Some four or five such victories as this will save thy further pains. Expect no more. Caesar is on his guard. I know, sir, you have conquered against odds, but still you draw supplies from one poor town, and of Egyptians. He has all the world, and at his beck nations come pouring in to fill the gaps you make. Pray, think again. Why dost thou drive me from myself to search for foreign aids, to hunt my memory, and range all over a waste and barren place to find a friend? The wretched have no friends. Yet I had one, the bravest youth of Rome, whom Caesar loves beyond the love of women. He could resolve his mind as fired as wax, from that hard, rugged image melt him down, and mould him in what softer form he pleased. Him would I see, that man of all the world, just such a one we want. He loved me too. I was his soul. He lived not but in me. We were so clothed within each other's breasts, the rivets were not found that joined us first. That does not reach us yet. We were so mixed as meeting streams, both to ourselves were lost. We were one mass. We could not give or take, but from the same. For he was I, I he. Ventidius aside. He moves as I would wish him. After this I need not tell his name. T'was Dolabella. He's now in Caesar's camp. <laughs> no matter where, since he's no longer mine. He took unkindly that I forbade him Cleopatra's sight, because I feared he loved her. He confessed he had a warmth which, for my sake, he stifled, for to be impossible that two, so one, should not have loved the same. When he departed, he took no leave, and that confirmed my thoughts. It argues that he loved you more than her, else he had stayed. But he perceived you jealous, and would not grieve his friend. I know he loves you. I should have seen him then, ere now. Perhaps he has thus long been labouring for your peace. Would he were here? Would you believe he loved you? I read your answer in your eyes. You would! Not to conceal it longer. He has sent a messenger from Caesar's camp, with letters. Let him appear. I'll bring him instantly. Exit Ventidius and re-enters immediately with Dolabella. Antony runs to embrace him. Tis himself, himself by holy friendship, art thou returned at last, my better half. Come, give me all myself. Let me not live if the young bridegroom, longing for his knight, was ever half so fond. I must be silent, for my soul is busy about a nobler work. 
She's new come home like a long-absent man, and wanders o'er each room, a stranger to her own, to look if all be safe. Thou hast what's left of me, for I am now so sunk from what I was, thou finds me at my lowest watermark. The rivers that ran in and raised my fortunes are all dried up, or take another course. What I have left is from my native spring. I've still a heart that swells in scorn of fate, and lifts me to my banks. Still you are the lord of all the world to me. Why, then I yet am so, for thou art all. If I had any joy when thou wert absent, I grudged to myself, methought I'd rob thee of thy part. But, O oh, my Dolabella, thou hast beheld me other than I am. Hast thou not seen my morning chambers filled with sceptred slaves who waited to salute me? with eastern monarchs who forgot the sun to worship my uprising. Menial kings ran coursing up and down my palace yard, stood silent in my presence, watched my eyes, and, at my least command, all started out like races to the goal. Slaves to your fortune. Fortune is Caesar's now, and what am I? What you have made yourself. I will not flatter. Is this friendly done? Yes, when his end is so, I must join with him. Indeed I must, and yet you must not chide. Why am I else your friend? Take heed, young man, how thou upbraidst my love. The queen has eyes, and thou too hast a soul. Canst thou remember, when, swelled with hatred, thou beheldst her first as accessory to thy brother's death? Spare my remembrance. T'was a guilty day, and still the blush hangs here. To clear herself, for sending him no aid, she came from Egypt. Her galley down the silver Sidness rode, the tackling silk, the streamers weighed with gold, the gentle winds were lodged in purple sails. Her nymphs, like nereids, round her couch were placed, where she, another seaborn Venus, lay. No more. I would not hear it. Oh, you must. She lay and lent her cheek upon her hand, and cast a look so languishingly sweet, as if, secure of all beholders' hearts, neglecting she could take them. Boys, like cupids, stood fanning with their painted wings the winds that played about her face. But if she smiled, a darting glory seemed to blaze abroad, Then men's desiring eyes were never wearied, but hung upon the object. To soft flutes the silver oars kept time, and while they played, the hearing gave new pleasure to the sight, and both the thought. T'was heaven, or somewhat more, for she so charmed all hearts, that gazing crowds stood panting on the shore, and wanted breath to give their welcome voice. Then, Dolabella, where was then thy soul? Was not thy fury quite disarmed with wonder? Didst thou not shrink behind me from those eyes and whisper in my ear? Oh, tell her not that I accused her with my brother's death. And should my weakness be a plea for yours, mine was an age when love might be excused, when kindly warmth and when my springing youth made it a debt to nature. Yours? Speak boldly. Yours, he would say, in your declining age, when no more heat was left but what you forced. When all the sap was needful for the trunk, when it went down, then you constrained the course and robbed from nature to supply desire. In you, 
I would not use so harsh a word. Tis but plain dotage. Ha! Twas urged to home, but yet the loss was private that I made. Twas but myself I lost. I lost no legions. I had no world to lose, no people's love. This from a friend. Yes, Antony, a true one, a friend so tender that each word I speak stabs my own heart before it reach your ear. Oh, judge me not less kind, because I chide. To Caesar I excuse you. Oh, ye gods, have I then lived to be excused to Caesar? As to your equal. Well, he's but my equal. While I wear this, he never shall be more. I bring conditions from him. Are they noble? Methinks thou shouldst not bring them else. Yet he is full of deep dissembling, knows no honour divided from his interest. Fate mistook him, for nature meant him for usurer. He's fit indeed to buy, not conquer kingdoms. Then granting this, what power was theirs, who wrought so hard a temper to honourable terms? I was my Dolabella, of some god. Nor I, nor yet Messinus, nor Agrippa. They were your enemies, and I, a friend, too weak alone, yet t'was a Roman's deed. T'was like a Roman done. Show me that man who has preserved my life, my love, my honour. Let me but see his face. That task is mine, and heaven thou knowst how pleasing. Exit Ventidius. You'll remember to whom you stand obliged? When I forget it, be thou unkind. And that's my greatest curse. My queen shall thank him too. I fear she will not. But she shall do it. The queen, my Dolabella, hast thou not still some grudgings of thy fever? I would not see her lost. When I forsake her, leave me my better stars. For she has truth beyond her beauty. Caesar tempted her at no less price than kingdoms to betray me. But she resisted all. Yet thou chidest me for loving her too well. Could I do so? Yes, there's my reason. Re-enter Ventidius with Octavia, leading Antony's two little daughters. Antony, starting back. Where? Octavia there? What, is she poison to you? A disease? Look on her, view her well and those she brings. Are they all strangers to your eyes? Has nature no secret call, no whisper there, yours? For shame, my lord, if not for love, receive them with kinder eyes. If you confess a man, meet them, embrace them, bid them welcome to you. Your arms should open, even without your knowledge, to clasp them in. Your feet should turn to wings to bear you to them, and your eyes dart out, and aim a kiss ere you could reach the lips. I stood amazed to think how they came hither. I sent for them. I brought them in unknown to Cleopatra's guards. Yet are you cold? Thus long I have attended for my welcome, which, as a stranger, sure I might expect. Who am I? Caesar's sister. That's unkind. Had I been nothing more than Caesar's sister, no, I had still remained in Caesar's camp. But your Octavia, your much-injured wife, though banished from your bed, driven from your house, in spite of Caesar's sister, still is yours. Tis true, I have a heart disdains your coldness, 
and prompts me not to seek what you should offer, but a wife's virtue still surmounts that pride. I come to claim you as my own, to show my duty first, to ask, nay beg, your kindness. Your hand, my lord, tis mine, and I will have it. Taking his hand. Do, take it. Thou deserv'st it. On my soul, and so she does. She's neither too submissive, nor yet too haughty, but so just a mean shows, as it ought, a wife and Roman too. I fear, Octavia, you have begged my life. Begged it, my lord? Yes, begged it, my ambassadress. Poorly and basely begged it of your brother. Poorly and basely I could never beg, nor could my brother grant. Shall I, who to my kneeling slave could say, Rise up and be a king? Shall I fall down and cry, Forgive me, Caesar? Shall I set a man, my equal, in the place of Jove, As he could give me being? No, that word forgive would choke me up And die upon my tongue. You shall not need it. I will not need it. Come, you've all betrayed me. My friend, too to receive some vile conditions. My wife has bought me with her prayers and tears, and now I must become her branded slave. In every peevish mood she will upbraid the life she gave. If I but look awry, she cries, I'll tell my brother. My hard fortune subjects me still to your unkind mistakes, but the conditions I have brought are such you need not blush to take. I love your honour because tis mine. It never shall be said Octavia's husband was her brother's slave. Sir, you are free, free even from her you loathe, for though my brother bargains for your love, makes me the price and cement of your peace, I have a soul like yours. I cannot take your love as arms, nor beg what I deserve. I'll tell my brother we are reconciled. He shall draw back his troops, and you shall march to rule the east. I may be dropped at Athens, no matter where. I never will complain, but only keep the barren name of wife, and rid you of the trouble. Was ever such a strife of sullen honour? Both scorn to be obliged. Oh, she has touched him in the tenderest part. See how he reddens with despite and shame to be outdone in generosity. See how he winks. How oh, he dries up a tear that fain would fall. Octavia, I have heard you, and must praise the greatness of your soul, but cannot yield to what you have proposed, for I can never be conquered but by love, and you do all for duty. You would free me, and would be dropped at Athens. Was not so? It was, my lord. Then I must be obliged to one who loves me not. Who to herself may call me thankless and ungrateful man? I'll not endure it, no. Ventidius aside. I am glad it pinches there. Would you triumph over poor Octavia's virtue? That pride was all I had to bear me up, that you might think you owed me for your life, and owed it to my duty, not my love. I have been injured and my haughty soul could brook but ill the man who slights my bed. Therefore you love me not. Therefore, my lord, I should not love you. Therefore you would leave me, 
and therefore I should leave you, if I could. Her soul's too great after such injuries to say she loves, and yet she lets you see it. Her modesty and silence plead her cause. Oh, Dolabella, which way shall I turn? I find a secret yielding in my soul. But Cleopatra, who would die with me, must she be left? Pity pleads for Octavia, but does it not plead more for Cleopatra? Justice and pity both plead for Octavia. For Cleopatra, neither. One would be ruined with you, but she first had ruined you. The other you have ruined, and yet she would preserve you. In everything their merits are unequal. Oh, my distracted soul! Sweet heaven, compose it. Come, come, my lord, if I can pardon you, methinks you should accept it. Look on these, are they not yours? Or stand they thus neglected as they are mine? Go to him, children, go. Kneel to him, take him by the hand, speak to him, for you may speak and he may own you too without a blush, and so he cannot all his children. Go, I say, and pull him to me, and pull him to yourselves from that bad woman. You, Agrippina, hang upon his arms, and you, Antonia, clasp about his waist. If he will shake you off, if he will dash you against the pavement, you must bear it, children, for you are mine, and I was born to suffer. Here the children go to him, etc. Was ever sight so moving? Emperor. Friend. Husband. Father. I am vanquished. Take me, Octavia. Take me, children. Share me all. Embracing them. I've been a thriftless debtor to your loves, and run up much in riot from your stock. But all shall be amended. O oh, blessed hour. O oh, happy change. My joy stops at my tongue. But it has found two channels here for one, and bubbles out above. Antony to Octavia. This is thy triumph. Lead me where thou wilt, even to thy brother's camp. All there are yours. Enter Alexis hastily. The queen, my mistress, sir, and yours. Tis past. Octavia, you shall stay this night. Tomorrow, Caesar and we are one. Exit leading Octavia. Dolabella and the children follow. There's news for you. Run, my officious eunuch. Be sure to be the first. Haste forward. Haste, my dear eunuch, haste. Exit. This downright fighting fool, this thick-skulled hero, this blunt, unthinking instrument of death, with plain dull virtue has outgone my wit. Pleasure forsook my earliest infancy, the luxury of others robbed my cradle, and ravished thence the promise of a man. Cast out from nature, disinherited, of what her meanest children claim by kind, yet greatness kept me from contempt. That's gone. Had Cleopatra followed my advice, then he had been betrayed, who now forsakes. She dies for love, but she has no need joys. 
gods, is this just that I, who know no joys, must die because she loves? Enter Cleopatra, Carmion, Iris, and Train. Oh, madam, I have seen what blasts my eyes. Octavia's here. Peace with that raven's note. I know it too, and now am in the pangs of death. You are no more a queen. Egypt is lost. What tellest thou me of Egypt? My life, my soul is lost. Octavia has him. O oh, fatal name to Cleopatra's love. My kisses, my embraces now are hers, while I... But thou hast seen my rival. Speak. Does she deserve this blessing? Is she fair, bright as a goddess? And is all perfection confined to her? It is. Poor I was made of that coarse matter which, when she was finished, the gods threw by for rubbish. She's indeed a very miracle. Death to my hopes. A miracle. Alexis, bowing. A miracle. I mean of goodness, for in beauty, madam, you make all wonders cease. I was too rash. Take this in part of recompense, but oh... Giving a ring. I fear thou flatterest me. She comes. She's here. Fly, madam. Caesar's sister. Were she the sister of the thunderer Jove, and bore her brother's lightning in her eyes, thus would I face my rival. Meets Octavia with Ventidius. Octavia bears up to her. Their trains come up on either side. I need not ask if you are Cleopatra. Your haughty carriage shows I am a queen. Nor need I ask you who you are. A Roman. A name that makes and can unmake a queen. Your lord, the man who serves me, is a Roman. He was a Roman, till he lost that name to be a slave in Egypt. But I come to free him thence. Peace, peace, my lover's Juno. When he grew weary of that household clog, he chose my easier bonds. I wonder not your bonds are easy. You have long been practised in that lascivious art. He is not the first for whom you spread your snares. Let Caesar witness. I loved not Caesar. T'was but gratitude I paid his love. The worst your malice can is but to say the greatest of mankind has been my slave. The next, but far above him in my esteem, is he whom law calls yours, but whom his love made mine. Octavia, coming up close to her. I would view nearer that face which has so long usurped my right, to find the inevitable charms that catch mankind so sure, that ruined my dear lord. Oh, you do well to search, for had you known but half these charms, you had not lost his heart. Far be their knowledge from a Roman lady, far from a modest wife. Shame of our sex! Dost thou not blush to own those black endearments that make sin pleasing? You may blush who want them. If bounteous nature, if indulgent heaven have given me charms to please the bravest man, should I not thank them? Should I be ashamed and not proud? I am, that he has loved me, and, 
when I love not him, heaven change this face for one like that. Thou lovest him not so well. I love him better and deserve him more. You do not, cannot. You have been his ruin. Who made him cheap at Rome but Cleopatra? Who made him scorned abroad but Cleopatra? At Actium, who betrayed him? Cleopatra. Who made his children orphans and poor me a wretched widow? Only Cleopatra. Yet she who loves him best is Cleopatra. If you have suffered, I have suffered more. You bear the specious title of a wife to gild your cause and draw the pitying world to favour it. The world condemns poor me, for I have lost my honour, lost my fame, and stained the glory of my royal house, and all to bear the branded name of mistress. There wants but life, and that too I would lose for him I love. Be it so, then. Take thy wish. Exit with her train. And tis my wish. Now he is lost, for whom alone I lived. My sight grows dim, and every object dances and swims before me in the maze of death. My spirits, while they were opposed, kept up. They could not sink beneath a rival's scorn. But now she's gone, they faint. Mine have had leisure to recollect their strength and furnish counsel to ruin her. Who else must ruin you? Vain promiser, lead me, my Carmian. Nay, your hand too, Iris. My grief has weight enough to sink you both. Conduct me to some solitary chamber and draw the curtains round. Then leave me to myself to take alone my fill of grief. There, I till death, will his unkindness weep as harmless infants moan themselves asleep. End of Act Three